Welcome to Bully Ball, presented by DraftKings. I'm Rachel Nichols. That, of course, is DeMarcus Cousins. Live from Taiwan, my friend. A um, couple quick questions. First of all, have you found out what a beer leopard is? Because that's very important to our audience. <laughs> and also, still, I need still to hear. To figure it out. Okay. All right. So, no, nothing there. We've got no update. No update yet. No. <laughs> Man. You had one job. Seriously. Okay. You've got a lot of jobs, but fine. Playing, you're busy. You're not only busy playing, you did this amazing event where you went to a place that serves like that bubble tea that's so popular and you dressed up in the full uniform and served a hundred cups of bubble tea to fans. What was that like? Man, it was cool. Um, You know, I'm just doing my job serving the people. Um, (laughs) uh, It was a cool little event. Um, you know, I got to learn. I'm learning a little bit about their culture and things that they like to do out here. And, uh, you know, bubble tea is a big thing out here. So I uh, learned how to make, you know, a certain type. And, uh, you know, we created my own flavor of bubble tea. Mm. And, uh, like you said, we gave out hundreds of cups of it. The fans came out. They enjoyed it. Incredible event. So uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I actually enjoyed the tea. So it was a cool thing. I saw some big crowds for the event. You know, it just feels like the fans there are so they they just love basketball so much. No, uh, they're they're deeply in love with the game, so uh, that's a cool thing to see, and uh, it's yeah. it's been a great experience. I, I've I've enjoyed my time, and uh, the people here are wonderful. They're great, and like I said, they love the game of basketball, so it's been dope. I like it. I like it. Still a beer leopard. We need to know what a beer leopard is. <laughs> Don't let me down before you leave there. Just, just that's all I'm saying. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know what a clipper is, by the way. Some people don't. A clipper is like a, a kind of ship, right? So mm-hmm. they were the San Diego Clippers. They are now the LA Clippers. And I got to tell you, this last couple months, it has been insane watching them play. Since December 1st, they are 22 and 4. Um, Kawhi over the stretch, 25, 6, and 4. Listen to this 50, 50, 92 shooting splits. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, Paul George over the same stretch, 23, 5, and 3 for his stats. Um, they've had the best record in the NBA for nearly two months. They have an exceptional coach. They have four guys with. 32 all-star appearances between them. That's absolutely insane. Um, the best player is a formal, former finals MVP, so he's got that experience. I mean, is it arguable that the L.A. Clippers are the best team in the NBA right now? Um, that's that's not a, a, a bad statement, and it's not a crazy statement. Um, on paper, they're, they probably are the most talented team in the NBA. Um and I don't think the talent was ever in question. Uh, when this team came together and they made the trade for James, we all knew the talent was incredible. It was off the charts. Um, their issue was figuring out how to make the talent mesh. And uh, I spoke on it before in the past. I thought T. Lou was the perfect guy for the job. And uh, he's proven me right. Um, he's figured out a way to make this thing work. Uh and the scary part about it, as good as they are right now at this point in the season, they're only going to continue mm-hmm. to get better. And that's yeah. the scary part about all of this. So uh, <laughs> they're the real deal. They're you know they're clicking on all cylinders. And like I said, they're only going to continue to get better. So I'm excited to see this team continue to grow. That game that they played against Boston a few days ago was such a jolting sort of wake up to just how good this team has gotten. I mean, they treated this like a playoff game in part because 
Boston when they when the Clippers did not have Kawhi Leonard. Boston came into LA and, and really kind of embarrassed them a little bit. So they wanted to come back and do the same thing on the Celtics home court. But also Tyloo was very open before that game. He said, we see this as a measuring stick game. He acknowledged that the Celtics had the best record in the league and just that they work on all cylinders. They play defense very strong, obviously huge offensive talent. So they said, this is the team on foreign soil where we want to measure up and see where we are. And oh my Lord. I mean, they came out on such a mission. It was crazy. Paul George played injured on the second night of back-to-back. So in a little bit, we're going to talk about guys playing and resting. I just want to point out that Paul George played through an injury on the second night of a back-to-back when he certainly didn't have to. And the third quarter of that game, the Clippers, they wheeled off a 21-0 run against the team that I would have said was the best team in the NBA right now, the Celtics. It has been crazy, and their defense has been a huge part of it too. I mean, when you see them, the question was, as you point out, like, could they all play together? It seems like that's solved, right? I mean, that the, yeah. there isn't another obstacle for them besides health, I guess. Uh, I mean, health is a big thing. Um, it's something mm-hmm. that's been, you know, something that's bit them in the ass in the past. But, yeah. uh, you know, as long as this team remains healthy, um, like I said, they're only going to continue to get better and better. Uh, the chemistry is only going to continue to grow. Uh, this is a scary team. And, and you know, once we get to this playoff run, you have these options on the floor in a seven-game series. It's just – it's hard for me to even put a thought in my mind that a team could actually come in and beat these guys in a seven-game series. Uh, super talented team. The bench is one of the best in the league. Um, I mean, when it comes to just comparing talent for talent in this league, I mean, I see a one A one B, and that's the Clippers and the Celtics right now. I don't, I don't see anything really close to it. So uh, this, this is this is a scary team, and I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. And look, we'll see in the spring, right? I mean, Denver's playing great, by the way, but they still, to me, have another level they can ratchet up to for the playoffs. We've obviously seen the Lakers do that uh, once they get to the playoffs, if they get into the playoffs. Um, But I just think that the key is right now, the team that's playing the best right now, it's the LA Clippers. And that is a crazy thing to be saying, considering all the tumult that, uh, that, that got us here. But I will say, I asked producer Nate to get a clip of me saying the trade would work out when everybody else (laughs) thought this guy was falling a week after the Harden deal. (laughs) I think we probably agree, right? He's going to be bought in at the beginning, at least, right? He wanted this trade. He worked for it all summer, talked about it a lot. They've all said the right things to each other. Ty Lue had a long talk with him before he even landed in LA. And, you know, PG and him were talking, you know, all the way through really the off season and the beginning of the season. He and Russ have a much better relationship than I think people think that they do. Um, You know, as as James said, they go back to the Boys and Girls Club and an in LA. This goes a lot deeper with them between what happened in a year on the Houston Rockets. So all of that to me tells me they're going to start out in good good order. And by the way, James looks like he's in great shape right now. And they're all saying and thinking the right things. Let, let's move on. <laughs> Talk about the scoring surge in the NBA. Two 70-point games. Two in the last week. Luca scoring 73, and, and I want to read this. He is only behind Wilt Chamberlain, who did it twice, and Kobe for the most points ever. So for the most points ever, there is now only three people on the list, and Luka Doncic is one of them, and that's 
insane. Um, I also saw a stat pointing out that over the NBA's first 75 years as a league, only six players total had scored 70 or more. So six players in 75 years. Well, in just the last year or so, there have been four more who have done it. Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, and now Luca. So six players in 75 years, four players in just over a year. I mean, that is as stark as I think you can get. Is 70 the new 50, Boogie? I mean, and do you see this as a problem or, hey, fans love this and that's what the NBA is now? Um, I don't I don't want to say it's a problem, but um, I think this is exactly what the NBA wants. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it was a quote from Luca early in his career where, you know, he said when he was comparing the NBA to the EuroLeague and he said it was a lot easier to score in the NBA than it is in overseas. And um, I think, you know, what we're seeing and the results of what we've seen in the past week, it's obvious that statement is very true. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in today's game, I hate to say it, defense just isn't a priority the way it was in the past. Um, you know, me coming up, playing the game of basketball, learning the foundations of the game, defense was what won games. Defense is what won championships. You fast forward yep. to today's game, offense wins championships, and that's just what it is. Um, on top of that, you have to give credit to the talent that's in the league. It's way more talent in the league than it's ever been before in the game. I feel like people miss that so much. Like that is the defensive rules. I get it. Look, I covered the league in the 90s, hand checking the whole thing and why the league wanted to get away from it. But Boogie, you're so right. Like people do not bring up the quality of players in the league and the fact that we are now truly going from an international pool from what it used to be, which was like basically a U.S. pool with like a few scattered international players. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) <laughs> no problem, but I mean, you just got to call a spade a spade. Um, the talent in the league, the the scoring abilities of the guys in the league of today's game, it's, it's through the roof, and it's been evident over this past week. So uh, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but the biggest thing that stands out to me is, is so much talent in this league. I think we're going to continue to see nights like this, and I mean – Honestly, I think we'll see even bigger performances coming up, possibly this season. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Look, I mean, uh, the players are better. It's just a fact. And and that's, you know, the, the people who walked both ways to school might argue with that. Obviously, there's a few exceptions. But overall, as a group, I do not think that there is any argument legitimately to be had. And by the way, the style of play in the NBA, it's not just that the defensive style is different. The offensive style is so different. You now have five guys on the floor who can shoot threes in a lot of cases when these teams go small. I mean, it's it's just a whole different level of firepower uh, with the way the game is played today also. So I I don't know. Do you think uh, we're getting to a 100-point game from someone? Do you think we'll get to a 200-point game for a team? You know, KG spoke on this. Uh, KG and Paul spoke on this. And, you know, I thought that was an interesting topic. But uh, 
if I had to choose between, you know, a guy scoring 100 or a team getting the 200, I think I'll go with a guy scoring 100. And I think the best option of us seeing that is either going to be a Luka Doncic or a Joel Embiid. Uh, I think those two guys are the two best scorers in the game as of right now. And, uh, you know, Luka just had a 70-point performance the other night. And, I mean, the way this guy heats up, the way he – you know, gets rolling in games. It's it's not too far off to say this guy can score a hundred plus in the game coming soon. So, I think that's a very possible thing, and you know, I really want to see it happen. So, I hope it does happen. How how soon till we get there? I think this season. I mean, <laughs> the way it's going, I think it could what? possibly happen this season. I I, I truly believe that. And I mean, we we kind of saw the the headlines when it came to Minnesota and the whole Carl uh, Anthony Towns situation, where you know he was he was gunning for you know a 60, 70 point game. So what's stopping the next guy from having the same goal in mind? Um, this is an offensive driven league right now, and I and I can see that happening very soon. I I really can. Well, I, I think Joel Embiid and Luca are, are definitely the best candidates. We'll have to see if it's quite this soon. Um, a team going over 200 points in a game, to me, does not seem that far away, given some of the scores. It would have to be an overtime game, obviously, but I certainly think that could happen soon as well. Of course, for Joel Embiid to be involved in something like that, he has to be on the court. And recently, I don't know if you heard all the way in Taiwan, Boogie, but there was a bit of a kerfuffle on Saturday night about the fact that Joel Embiid, just minutes before tip-off, right when they did the lineup announcements, uh, the, the announcement came that he wasn't going to play in Denver against Nikola Jokic, fanning the flames of this sort of, you know, theory it's very popular on the old internets that he is scared in some way to uh, face Jokic in Denver, which I don't think he is scared. I do think he has not faced Jokic in Denver for five years, which is pretty interesting. And, and just the fact that, you know, Michael Malone said after the game, he said, I- I'm not doubting the injury. And by the way, I personally am not doubting it either. He actually is, have, has a sore knee that's been documented and, and, and heard it earlier in the week. But the fact that they didn't know until right up until game time for an ABC Saturday night game. I don't know, man. What do you, what do you think of this whole thing? Uh, something special. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't have the confidence to sit here and say that, you know, Joel Embiid is afraid of, of Jokic. Um, when it comes to talking the best bigs in the game, regardless of who outplays who on any given night, those two names are coming up first, Jokic and Embiid, automatically. So when it comes to the matchup, um, I think they've both had, you know, games where they've outplayed one another. That's that's just how this game goes. Some nights are better than others. But I think at this point, the big fella owes the fans. He owes the game. Um, shit, I want to see it. Just go to Denver and compete. Like, I mean <laughs> – even if, if if it's for two quarters, big fella, just get out there and compete. That's that's all we're asking for. I don't think he's afraid. Like I don't think that's the case at all. But it's it's definitely a fishy situation as to why the past five years you haven't played in Denver, big fella. Like we need to see this show happen, and it needs to happen soon. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's just the way it all happened to me. I, I again, I, I'm fully on board with the fact that he could have been too wonky, too injured to play in some way. 
I'm not sitting here doubting that. What I am saying is that they had to, he wasn't even on the injury report. I mean, they have to sort of treat this process with a little bit more respect because you do have, as Michael Malone pointed out, a team on the other side that's prepping for the game. You have fans who are excited about a matchup, not only buying tickets, um, but on TV as well. And, And you just deserve to know it's a different thing than what you're going to expect. So I wouldn't be surprised if the league finds the Sixers. Um, I bet they will make the point as well that no one's doubting that Joel is injured, but that the way that they did it was a problem because they do have all these rules to prevent something like this from happening. And, and look, one of those rules is to incentivize players to have this not happen. You know, I mentioned Paul George playing through um, an injury, a groin injury against Boston the league would like to see more of that. So they have put a 65-game minimum on all postseason awards. And a lot of fans like this. I'm in the minority. I, I think it's kind of ridiculous, and I can can go into all the reasons why. But it's funny. Whenever I come out and say that I totally get trying to get rid of load management and that it is a problem, I'm just not sure this was the place to try to do it. What do you think about the fact that Embiid now, he can only miss six more games in the entire second half of the season. Otherwise, he's just not going to make it onto even the ballot. I think it's complete bullshit. And I also think it's it's a shift of blame when this is something that was created, you know, by the league. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I spoke on it last week when I brought up the analytics and how these nerves are fucking up the game. And uh, I, I stand on that statement. And the reason is the analytics are the reason this low management shit came into the game. They brought low management in because they thought, the analytics showed that it would help prevent injury from guys in the league. Well, now, you know, that rule was manipulated. It was taken advantage of. And now they're trying to put a Band-Aid over something, over a wound that the league created. So now it's where the players are being punished for missing games or a certain amount of games when this shouldn't have never been in the place. It should have been. It should have never been put into place in the first place. And when it comes to it, it's, it's now overlooked as to, you know, this is an 82-game season. It's going to be games missed. You know, it's going to be ankle rolls. It's going to be knee tweaks. It's going to be sprained fingers, sprained wrists, mm-hmm. things of that nature. This is a competitive sport. This is all part of the game. So the fact that, you know, it's now put on the players to now miss only a certain amount or you miss out on, you know, money, uh, bonuses, rewards, mm-hmm. and it, it then affects legacy, I think it's complete bullshit. Um, it takes away the integrity of the game. It takes away the foundation of the game. It takes away the, the competitive nature of the game. And we're at the point now to, you know, Embiid is having a historical season. And if he misses, what, six more games? Six more games, that's bet- it. You basically have to wipe it away, and I think that's completely unfair to the player. Regardless if he plays 58 or 65, I'm picking him beat as MVP because he's having that great of a season. So well, I think see, it's that's completely unfair. Interesting. That's interesting because one of the big arguments for this rule is that, like, if a guy misses sixty-five in more than sixty-five games, he shouldn't he shouldn't even be considered for MVP. You know, availability is the best ability, and and that whole argument. I would say that whether he is considered for MVP is kind of an individual decision. Every voter, every person out there who has an opinion on this has to calculate. Would you rather have Joel Embiid with the way he is playing this season for 62 games 
or would you rather have your next most sort of qualified candidate for 74 games or whatever that guy has played? And and you have to make that judgment. And, And by the way, if you take it to its extreme, sometimes the answer will be, I would rather have the best player for 60 games or even 55 games than someone else, like say a bench player or someone for 82 games. And then it's just a matter of like how you make that discussion go and like how close you get before you say, okay, I still want the guy with more games. But that is a factor in MVP. And to take that off the table is silly. To take the idea that he's not even going to be allowed to be on the ballot. If people want to penalize him for missing a bunch of games, let them do that. Give the opportunity for voters to do that. Don't just wipe away, as you say, the fact that he was even there this season in the way that he was. And the, you know, we talk about in the conversation, let him be in the conversation at least. And the fact that all NBA is included in this is a little bit more of a mind blow because you have 15 players named to all NBA teams. So now it's a conversation of, would you rather have Joel Embiid for let's say 62 games than the 15th guy on the all, you know, on the all NBA team for however many games he played. And, and that answer could be Joel Embiid, like very possibly. And those are, as you say, tied into bonuses, which now you're messing with guys' money. And I think it's not just the league in general that has to take responsibility. I think the team owners need to take responsibility because as you point out, all of this is not only approved of, but some cases recommended by the team with the overall goal of preserving their players until they get to the spring, because not only do the fans like playoff runs, the owners like playoff runs. It's a lot of extra money if you're in the playoffs. And so there is this attitude of, well, the league needs to police it because we're losing you know, ground on the TV contract if we can't get our guys to play in big games. But then when I go home to my own team, I'm going to let the the coach and the training staff and everyone else do whatever they want to to try to preserve the playoffs. You got to clean up your own house if you're an owner. The, the league, they're, they're not the only grownups in the room here. I mean, I, I just, I think if team owners wanted to make it a priority for the stars to show up on the biggest nights, I think that has to start at home. They have to make the, the 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 point to the training staff, to the general manager, to the coach. I want these guys in the lineup. I am paying them. It is important to me. And if they can't stay in the lineup for long enough, I'm going to consider wanting to get rid of them. And and if all of the owners did that, that's where this problem would change to me. I, I just think penalizing the players is is crazy. And to mess with even letting them have the chance to be in the discussion, uh, I I do not like it. I, I will repeat. I, I do not like green more. eggs and ham, and I do not like this rule. <laughs> there you go. Agree These are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Knicks because they are ripping it. 14 and 6. 14 and 6 in their last 20 games. 12 and 2 with OG Ananobi. So I think we can say that was a good trade. I actually think it was good for both Absolutely. teams, but very good for the Knicks. Um, Julius Randle, 24, 9, and 5 on the season. But news did come out just this morning over here, Boogie, that uh, that shoulder dislocation he had is going to keep him out for a few weeks is kind of how they're describing it. And look, it's better than they thought. They feared before the MRI it could be months. It is not months. It is a few weeks. Um, but that is still a factor. Um, and they are coming up on the trade deadline. And the question always was, do they have another shoe that's going to drop here this season? And now you're looking, you're fourth in the East. You're not going to have Julius Randle for a while. And the Cavs who are at fifth are breathing down your neck and on a roll themselves. So I don't know. Do you think if you're in the Knicks front office, would you be affected by this at the trade deadline? Would you say, okay, now we really need someone? 
Uh, I do think it's, I think, I think it's a concern for this Knicks team. Um, you just, you can't just go to the bench and think you can substitute 24, nine and five. Um, they mm. definitely have a situation on their hands. This, these couple of weeks or a few weeks of him being out can, can change their standings and this team drastically. So, uh, I think this is, I think this is a point in time where they have to move with some urgency and make a really big move and not necessarily a big move, but a move that can fill this void for these few weeks. And I think a scoring four man would, you know, be the right type situation to, to put a bandaid over this for the time being. I, I could see a guy like a Marcus Morris coming in and kind of mm-hmm. filling that void. And, you know, uh, obviously they want to get off, of a Fournier that's been well noted for years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could see that, you know, being a, a trade piece to make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be some huge move, right? No, it doesn't have to be a huge move, but it has to be a great move, if that makes sense. So, um, and it's also a guy that can still fit the mold for when he does return. You, you, you then add to that bench to, you know, increase the firepower with moving forward throughout the season. So, uh, I, like I said, I could see a guy like a Marcus Morris coming in. Um, he's been a well-known scorer throughout his career. Uh, hopefully you get somewhere between 16 to 17, possibly 18 points a game to, like I said, fill that void until you can get that 24, 9, and 5 back. So uh, I think it's definitely where the Knicks need to move with some urgency and make something happen to fill this void. Yes, absolutely. And I just – could seamlessly fit in, and then, as you say, bolster their bench when Randall comes back. I like this. We got to put you in the Knicks front office. I would be fine with that, <laughs> <laughs> as long as you still do the pod with me. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about one of the best all-time matchups in the NBA in all of history, as far as I am concerned. And, and I am saying, you know, of course, we still have the revered Magic and Bird and, and Jordan against, I don't know, the entire Pistons team or whatever it is. But I, LeBron and Steph, for my money, um, is goes right up there with them. I think that they have had just an incredible rivalry. The fact that this has spanned so long, I think it's like nearly 100 games they've played against each other, that such a big chunk of those games have come in the NBA Finals is insane. And they took a time machine back over the weekend in that double overtime game. It was so much fun to watch those two guys doing what they do best. And it was just a thrill to get to see it again. And and who knows how many of those kinds of games where it just goes down to literally the last point in double overtime, um, we'll see again from the two of them. So I just, it felt very special. And uh, it also just kind of underscored LeBron particularly we talk about all season. I can't believe he's playing like this. I can't believe he's playing in year 21. But but you look at the stats for a year 21 player, and, and look, there haven't been a ton of them, but there's been, there's been some. And you mm-hmm. look at the stats for what everyone does in their year 21, it's crazy, Boogie. LeBron is averaging 25 points in his year 21 season. The next person on the list is Vince Carter, who the same year averaged seven and a half so LeBron first on the list. Second on the list is Vince at seven and a half. Then Dirk next, Robert Parrish, and it goes on from there. But they're all under, under seven and a half. I mean, it, it's that's nuts, right? I mean, wow. how can you? How impressed are you? And, and sort of how do you feel he's mainly doing this at this age? I mean, I think 
This is just, I think we're blessed to even be able to say we're witnessing this at this point in this guy's career. Um, I don't think it'll ever be done again. Um, it's noted that this, he's been a freak of nature since he stepped foot into this league and he's continuing to be a freak of nature. Um, obviously one of the goats of this game, um, great representation of this league. I mean, the list goes on of what this guy has done for this league and just his game in general. But, uh, I can tell you right now, I may struggle at this age <laughs> to average 25 a game, right? Um, <laughs> You're 33. Uh, I'm, I'm 33 He's and I average 25. Yes, uh, LeBron, LeBron is, you know, LeBron. Uh, to try to give him his flowers, you'll be, you know, playing seeds forever. So um, this guy's incredible. Uh, he's going to continue to be incredible. He'll go out when he's ready to go out. And uh, one thing that, you know, most athletes preach is, you know, when it's time for me to hang it up, I kind of want to go out on my own note. Right. It doesn't usually work out that way, but we're going to yeah. literally watch this guy go out his way and on top of his mm -hmm. game whenever he decides to do that. And, you know, he he's an incredible player. I mean, it's not, it's not much more you can say about it. Um, it's, it's fucking LeBron James. <laughs> Yeah, I mean. that, that is exactly it. <laughs> and the physical <laughs> stuff, as you mentioned, <laughs> you know, look, I was at his first NBA game. Like he was ridiculous then. So I, I, your point is completely there that this has been going on the whole time. It's just reaching its, its incredible conclusion period in this amazing way. But I don't think we talk about the mental part of it enough. You know, we know because we can see it with our eyes that not everyone is, is, is as elite physically as some of the best players. Not everyone is as elite talent-wise in terms of being able to do the range of things or has the same speed or has the same you know, shooting style or any of those things. I don't think we talk enough about the fact that there is another tier you can reach mentally that not everyone is at. And the discipline it has taken for LeBron to get to this point, the leadership that has taken to get to this point, sort of the way he is able to see the game, I, I just, I, I think we kind of assume anyone could do that if they wanted to just work hard enough. And I don't think that's true. I think it's like the physical side of it. I think that having that package uh, of mental sort of superiority in terms of the game of basketball, um, it, it's just not available to everyone. And, and he has it. And he has a near photographic memory. He can see plays that were, you know, 15 years ago at this point and, and what guys are doing now and the difference and all of those things and what coaches have done in the past against him. Um, I, I just think in the end, when we're talking about everything that he did, I, I think that that side, I hope, is appreciated more because it is a huge part of why he's so successful. And, you know, we saw it again in that game against the Warriors. That was just out of control. Um, the Lakers as a team, though, also played really well in that game. Um, D'Angelo Russell, this has become such an interesting topic here in LA. Just for the month of January, Bug, he is 24, averaging 24 points, six assists, and his shooting percentage from three is 50%. So he was a huge part of any trade package that people were discussing that the Lakers could give away um, by this February 8th deadline in order to get in some more talent, some more defense. Uh, he does not provide them that defensive end that I think this team definitely needs. But he's playing really well, and he's your own player, and you don't have to give anything up for him. So the question is, do you trust him 
to keep at this level or something close to it through the end of the playoffs, whenever that is? Um, or do you think, hey, sell high, baby. Let's let's uh, get someone else in the league interested in the possibility of him. And you're taking the chance that if you do that, you will A, have given up some of your assets, and B, that the person who comes in will be a better fit on this team than D'Angelo Russell. So it's a, it's a tough question. Where, where, do you, where are you on this? Um, I think they absolutely are looking to trade D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, <laughs> like sell high, say. baby. <laughs> it, it sucks to say, but at the same time, the way D'Angelo Russell is going about this, I think he's handling it the correct way. Um, you know, it, it's preached throughout the league. You know, when you go out and perform, when you go out and play on a nightly basis, you're not just playing for the team that's on your chest. You're still performing for every other team in the league. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's going to keep his value high. He's going to keep teams watching. And it's all. And he's going to keep interest high for himself. So mm-hmm. the Lakers won't be this guy's last stop. And that's just the facts behind it. With the way he's playing, there's going to be teams lined up to try to add him to their team. So, uh, like I said, I think he's handling it the correct way. But, you know, I hate to say he's absolutely out the door. And it's oh, there's smoke, there's fire. Like, I mean, it's it's the rumors are circulating crazy right now. And his name yeah. is popping up nonstop. So, uh, you know, it. Uh, DeJounte Murray is attached to this team, uh, attached to this mm-hmm. team. His name's attached to it. Uh, you got the likes of DeMar DeRozan. You have the likes of Alex Caruso and so on and so forth. I've seen some some under-the-radar names as well, like Donovan Mitchells and things of that nature. So he's yeah. definitely a, 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 you know, he's a good trade piece to make any of those type of moves happen. And uh, like I said, the way he's performing, he's going to make it that much easier for this team to make a move. But. My gut is Which is the opposite of what he wants. Yeah, it sucks because I, I'm a fan of D'Angelo Russell. I, I like He's had a lot mm-hmm. of ups and downs in, in his career, but at the end of the day, he still goes out and he's a professional. He plays the correct way, and he continues to perform at a high level regardless of you know the things that are happening around him. So um, with that being said, yes, he's out the door. He does want to stay. I don't know how many conversations he's had with management about that and um, sort of his contract situation beyond this. But I don't know. I I appreciate that he's made it harder for them to deal him. I mean, it is now a high risk proposition either way. Right. It used to be like eh, D'Angelo Russell not playing well for the Lakers this year. Obviously, trading him is no you know, it's not, it's not going to bring us lower. The whole point is we're trying to trade for someone better and he can be included in that package. Now you really have to ask, will DeJounte Murray be a better fit on the roster and whatever you have to give up than D'Angelo Russell? I mean, DeJounte Murray is much better defensively, but offensively, at least in Atlanta, he has not been what his old numbers were. Um, and you have to look at what you're not getting because you gave up those pit, that pick or whatever it is. Um, I, I think it's a hard question. But I also know that, the you know, D'Angelo Russell's really streaky and that in a month he could be playing back to the level he was for the first chunk of the Correct. season. And then you'll feel stupid not of trading him. So I, it's, it's, I like that D'Angelo Russell has made this interesting. I am very interested to watch what happens over these next couple of weeks because we are close. We are very close. Um, let's get to, I'll take that bet presented by DraftKings. Boogie, this is an interesting bet DraftKings has. I love this because you go through their site and there's always something good. Here's the something good. Uh, will a first-time champion be crowned this season? And they're giving you very good odds on saying yes. It's plus 300 to say yes, minus 400 to say no, so not even really worth betting on. Um, and 
I want to know, are you going to take the bet that a first-time team for those odds – We'll make the chance. Well, we'll make the finals and, and win it. I want to give you the the contenders here: the Clippers, the Timberwolves, and the Suns. Obviously, they're not in position to do that yet, but they could be by the end of the playoffs. Um, do you think one of those three teams this year can be the first time champion for for their franchise? I absolutely, I absolutely do. Um, with the you way do. the Clippers have been playing lately, uh, they're obviously going to continue to get better. So. I think their odds will only increase. And um, when it comes to the Suns, you have the likes of Kevin Durant. You had the likes of Devin Booker and also Bradley Bill. You have a chance any on any given night to be the best team in the league. So um, I do think there's a chance there'll be a first time, you know, first time champion crown this season. And uh, but my gut is leaning towards this Clippers team. And we spoke on it earlier. It's just. Outside of the Boston Celtics, it's not a team in the league with as much talent as this Clippers team. Um, they are coming together at the right time. They're are, they are going to continue to get better. I think they have the perfect coach in T. Lou to coach this team to a, a finals run and so forth. So uh, I think it's a great chance the Clippers can make this happen. So um, I'm excited to see that happen. Boogie Cousins is taking the bet. We'll see if all of you out there are taking the bet. It's an interesting bet. I like it. Uh, Speaking of the Suns, Kevin Durant is returning to Brooklyn on Wednesday. And this has become part of our doom scroll where we check everything so you don't have to bring you the best social stories of the week. This one happened on Twitter. Uh, Someone put a poll up on Twitter of asking whether the Nets should have a tribute video for KD. Uh, Tribute videos have been happening a lot around the league. Uh, Some say too much, but certainly a a different step than putting the number in the rafters or anything. And Kevin Durant himself answered the poll. (laughs) And he said, the night will be better without it. Please don't. (laughs) So how do you feel about this idea in the first place? And the KD himself said, (laughs) answered the guy and said, no, 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 no. Not interested. I say you respect the guy's wishes, man. Uh, <laughs> I agree with KD. Um, that whole Brooklyn situation, I, I just don't think it was enough, you know, history between, you know, KD and this organization to even really make this a topic. Um, it wasn't enough good and it necessarily wasn't en- enough bad to for it to even be a situation. Um, it just didn't work out. It was a lot of moving pieces that just didn't mesh from the top to bottom. It was different personnel. It, it's just a lot. The situation didn't work. Um, you know, both situations all moved on. I think everybody got into a better situation moving forward. So uh, just leave it at that. Um, you know, respect KD for what he is and what he did. Um, let's just go play ball. Uh um, I think the night will be better. Like I said, just respect the God's wishes and let's just go play ball. I mean, for me, when you look at the biggest what ifs of this era of basketball, the biggest one to me is what if KD had picked the Knicks in free agency instead of the Nets? Ooh. I just keep imagining. I cannot let go about what a perfect fit that would have been, uh, being with that organization instead, having him play in the garden night after night and the excitement that would have brought. And if he just brought that team a playoff round win, much less a conference finals appearance or a finals appearance or, oh my God, a championship, I mean, he would be a god in that city. And and by the way, 
as transitive property around the league because Knicks fans make up a huge percentage of fans in this league, disproportionate even to their market size. And I, I just think this idea that he would have, quote, you know, followed up the Golden State years and some people felt he had to redeem himself. I am not among them, but some people felt that he had to, um, to take a Knicks team where he was the unquestionable star solo and and have the right supporting cast around him and bring them, you know, playoff success. I think he would still be there today, and I think it would have been a huge thing. Uh, so the, the me, the Brooklyn experiment was never a great idea to begin with, and I completely agree <laughs> with you and Kevin Durant. No tribute video. Uh, not, it's a good internet question. It's not good in real life. We say no. No. Uh, let's just move on. <laughs> you can, let's just move on, baby. Uh, another great week of basketball coming up. We will be here next week to talk to you all about it. You can catch all episodes of Bully Ball on the DraftKings Network. We're very excited about that. Of course, you can also get it on the All the Smoke Productions YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, all the things. We are on all the things. So please download us, rate, review us, give us those five stars. And until next week, we'll see you back next Monday. We'll have to find out. Everyone, we're going to hold you in suspense. Did Boogie Cousins find out what a beer leopard is? More to come. (laughs) Balls in your court, (laughs) Boogie. I got you. I got you. (laughs) 